0: Bracing for a busy holiday travel season, passenger traffic is picking up. Tonight, what's being done to make your journey as smooth as possible? Good evening. Who could forget the chaos that unfolded at Canada's busiest airport over the summer?
1: Lost luggage along with delayed and canceled flights. Now, as more and more people return to Pearson, a pledge tonight to avoid a repeat of all those problems. CTV's John Musselman joins us live with the details. John.
2: Well, Michelle, as you all know, the travel season doesn't really get going. The peak holiday season for a few more weeks. But the federal transport minister says he's holding a summit this week. He wants to make sure we don't have a repeat of what we had in the summertime. Long lines everywhere, unclaimed baggage piling up, and flight delays or cancellations. It was a summer travel season many would like to forget. At one point, Pearson ranked among the five worst airports internationally, according to J.D. Power's customer satisfaction survey.
1: When I first started traveling, it was insane here. It felt like when you got to the, the luggage, it was, it
3: was out of control. There was more luggage than people almost when you got down there.
2: And it is something Pearson and government officials hope to never repeat.
3: To ensure first that we never go back to the summer experience that we saw, including this upcoming Christmas season.
2: The federal transport minister joined the GTAA president and CEO at a ceremony today to officially reopen the second busiest runway. It has been undergoing reconstruction since April and it's now back online. The minister also announced an aviation summit taking place later this week that will bring key stakeholders together to make sure Pearson is ready for the busy upcoming winter holiday season.
3: If we can start sharing more of that information among these key players, we would have a smarter system, we would have a more efficient system.
2: Inside the terminal, airport officials say new improvements like electronic screening devices and hiring thousands of new employees have made a difference. Last month, nearly 90% of all passengers cleared security in less than 15 minutes.
3: Uh, we've launched a slew of innovative tools, um, our peak live times dashboard. Um, so that lets passengers know, you know, the busy times in the terminal, as well as launching YYZ Express, which allows passengers to book their spot in security for international and domestic flights.
2: Mm-hmm. Passengers we talked to today inside Terminal 1 say it does seem better.
4: Well-organized and very friendly. There was no delay at all.
2: It's still an improvement over the COVID times. Still, travel experts say passengers need to be prepared for things to go wrong. Protecting your holiday is step one.
5: Just basically be prepared. You not only need medical insurance like you always did and you have to make sure it does cover COVID in fact, but trip cancellation and interruption become... Huge add-ons that everybody should look at if they're going away on a trip
6: that does involve non-refundable dollars.
2: Pearson officials say the live wait time dashboard provides passengers with up-to-the-minute information so they can monitor custom security and baggage wait times. And the minister says this aviation sector summit will be held on Thursday. Uh, some of the same rules apply, though. International travel, try to be here three hours in advance. Domestic travel, at least two hours. Reporting live at Terminal One, I'm John Muslim. I'll send it back to you.
1: Thank you, John. It's a scene parents worried wouldn't happen today. Students flooding into schools this morning. and education workers' strike averted.
0: A deal was reached yesterday, but the labor unrest isn't over just yet. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us live with all the details. Siobhan.
7: Well, Nathan, now workers, who, uh, members of CUPE, will get a look at this deal over the next few days and decide whether it's a deal they want to accept or whether it's back to the bargaining table. There isn't usually this kind of good feeling associated with the Monday morning school drop-off. I oh,
8: it make me feel relief. We all just want fairness for everybody. We are very happy because we get a chance to go work now. And then, like kids will be in the daycare in school. School back to normal, and then we can send the kids back to school.
7: The minister of education grateful. The union representing 55,000 educational support workers has tentatively agreed to a new contract.
6: This has been a tough journey, but at the end of the day, negotiating is always tough. Um, I just think the casualty of our negotiations shouldn't be our kids.
7: The deal doesn't do what QP wanted to add school services. As a mom, I don't like this deal. As a worker, I don't like this deal. As the president of the OSBCU, I understand why this is the deal that's on the table. In the ratification vote, members will decide if it's good enough for them. We are sending this In the most democratic fashion for the workers to use their voice. Voting runs through Sunday. If CUPE members reject the deal, it's back to bargaining.
6: I think it's best so we don't entertain hypotheticals.
7: I I, I appreciate that could happen. And put the possibility of a strike back on the table. The government still has to sign new contracts with Ontario's teachers' unions. Those negotiations are in different stages.
6: I would submit that they're in a good place. We continue to work in good faith with the aim of providing a deal that keeps kids in the classroom, that respects our educators.
7: The president of the Ontario English Catholic Teachers Association says that characterization is fair. But there are questions after the government used the notwithstanding clause to impose a contract on QP members, then rescinded it. I certainly hope that we can
9: have a, an effective bargaining um, You know, bargaining without having to go to any kind of legislation to try to reach an agreement.
6: We're going to respect the workers uh, and our teachers, but we're going to stand up to ensure kids are in school. That is what matters most.
7: Some parents want more collaboration to keep the peace. They should
8: um, rethink about the whole system because, again, as you said, it's about our kids and future of this country.
7: CUPE expects to be able to share results of the ratification vote early next week. Now, if workers reject the deal and we return to a, negotiate, a place of negotiating and they want to launch a strike again, they would again have to give five days' notice. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All
0: right, thank you, Siobhan. Still to come, breaking down a new child care rebate. Some checks are already in the mail. Who is eligible and for how much? And will Ontario families feel the financial impact? That story coming up.
1: But first, a live look outside tonight. We got a bit of a break from the cold temperatures from the weekend, but whoa, that wind today. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay, the wind makes the cold so much worse.
10: It really does, Michelle, because then we get a wind chill factor, which has been the story the last little while. So too has been this special weather statement in place from St. Thomas to Hamilton into St. Catharines and Niagara Falls, Coburg over toward Belleville and Kingston. That's where 80-kilometer per hour gusts have been happening 90 kilometers per hour around Port Colburn today about 70k in Toronto but those winds while still breezy are starting to ease at this hour. It is a little bit cool. Uh, it's cooler when once you factor in the wind chill than the temperature suggests. 3 degrees right now at Pearson International but it feels more like -3 and it'll feel like -7 overnight tonight. We'll talk about your 7-day forecast coming up a little bit later in the show. Been one of the old- Trophies in Canada's history will go to one of its oldest franchises. The Toronto Argonauts
11: have won the 2022 breakup.
0: What a comeback, what a game, and what a win. The Argos are Canada's best, taking the CFL's top prize with only minutes left in the game. And the Grey Cup is coming home for the first time since 2017.
1: And the celebration plans are already underway. CTV's Mike Walker is at the airport where the team just returned moments ago. How exciting, Mike.
12: It's extremely exciting. The players and their families just touching down here at Pearson International Airport just moments ago, and the Grey Cup celebration is only going to ramp up. I want to show you a video right now. This is the team arriving at the airport. This was just a few moments ago. Head coach Brendan Winnie and... Uh, Argo's linebacker Hinock Muamba carrying the Grey Cup together hand in hand proudly as they walk across the tarmac into the airport here. Now, the Argos were considered the underdogs up against the two-time defending champions, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The 109th Grey Cup came down to the wire in a wild fourth quarter that saw the boatmen rally from behind with less than four minutes left to take the lead 24-23 and seal the win with a block field goal with just seconds left. Now, this is Toronto's first Grey Cup win since 2017 and the 18th championship in franchise history. Linebacker Enoch Mwamba, was emotional after the victory. He was awarded both the game's MVP and Most Valuable Canadian. Now, in a few moments, we'll be speaking with the players here at Pearson Airport. But here's what some of them had to say after last night's incredible win.
2: i in the words, man. I've never wanted this to be great. I put in the work. The truth is, man, sometimes you don't see the result right away. But if you're persistent enough, consistent
6: enough, it'll happen. It was an emotional roller coaster, up and down. Special teams of the fact defense, offense, all, all, all contributed. And uh, I'm just so proud of my, my teammates.
12: We blocked out the media. We blocked out everyone saying that we couldn't beat them. Uh, I'm, I'm just proud of the, the team and how we rallied. The Grey Cup back in Toronto again, just arriving minutes ago. Now the team eager to celebrate with their hometown fans here. A celebration rally is being planned for this Thursday at Maple Leaf Square just outside Scotiabank Arena. That's expected to get underway Thursday at 11 a.m. Reporting live, I'm Mike Walker. Michelle.
1: Back to you. Thank you, Mike. And to another kind of football game, and it's only day two of the World Cup, and the fireworks have already started.
0: We don't mean this pre-game display on the pitch. Politics and sport are colliding at the tournament, being watched by millions around the world. CTV's Heather Wright reports from Doha.
13: At a match full of excitement and noise... The loudest message was silence. Iran's soccer team refused to sing their country's national anthem in a show of solidarity with protesters. Hundreds have been killed in the last two months in brutal crackdowns. Demonstrations sparked by the death of Masa Amini, who died in police custody after being arrested for not properly covering up. Until recently, women in Iran have been banned from attending soccer games. Some matches have been opened up to a limited number of female fans who must sit separately from men. I don't want to talk about something uh, 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 except the uh, game. Most fans we spoke with were reluctant to comment on the protests, fearing reprisals back home. Many, though, sent a message in other ways.
12: Wishing them strength in, in this fight against the government. <laughs>
13: Conditions in our country are not right, Iran defender Asan Hash Safi said yesterday, the first Iranian player to speak out in support of the protests. Opportunity for Rashford. On he goes! The much-anticipated match between England and Iran ended in a romp, England taking it 6-2. to two. Meanwhile, an attempt by England and several other teams to show their support to the LGBTQ2S plus community was silenced at the last minute, with FIFA threatening an automatic yellow card for anyone who wore the One Love rainbow armband on the field. Heather Wright, CTV News, Doha.
1: Belgium's captain was among those who was going to wear that armband, and now the Belgians are facing another distraction as it uh, prepares to face Canada on Wednesday. FIFA has rejected the team's away shirt because of the word love in the collar and a rainbow-colored trim. The away kit is a new design that Belgium has worn in several UEFA Nations League games. The team says it'll wear its main red shirt during the first three games of the World Cup and then deal with the issue concerning the away kit if they get through to the next round. Politics are part of the World Cup, but there's also the games. And CTV's Austin Delaney joined fans here in Toronto as they took in today's action. Austin.
14: Yeah, England making a huge statement today in its first match against Iran, easily winning 6-2. to two. Delighting fans here who were able to have a very early morning adult beverage. It is shortly after 8 this morning and the pints are flowing. The England fans have hunkered down for some bangers of mash and a beer at the Madison pub. Yeah, yeah, and a pint of Stella. How's that going? Good stuff. (laughs) Bit liquid confidence. And the fans had plenty of confidence as the match against Iran got underway. We're playing very well, yeah, yeah. But we were expected to beat Iran, so, yeah, this is where the tournament starts. Of course, yeah, it's only Iran. We're England, so it's like, it's not even a competition. Most here have some connection to the homeland. I'm English. I'll be on the England side. Uh,
12: I've only lived here for, like, four months. Oh, OK. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm
14: England all the way. Across town, soccer fans had gathered at the Queen and Beaver Pub. Where we found jail, not supporting her home country.
8: I am from Iran
1: originally, but uh, I've been uh, I've been a fan of England since I was 11. So I've I've been watching like, all of pretty much all the games from England support them. And it happened to be like against Iran, and unbelievably, uh, we're supporting all the teams that play against Iran, and it's it's actually
13: sad.
2: Yeah!
14: In Liberty Village, the Dutch fans gather at school, where one of the owners calls the Netherlands home.
13: Oh, it's huge. It's
15: like the place to be. Like, we try to bring in as many people as possible. It's the only time we show Dutch pride.
9: These
14: fans have had a taste of victory before.
9: Yeah, yeah, well, we mostly remember the 2010 game, of course, which is when we had big celebrations here when we made it to the, uh, to the semifinals. So hopefully we'll get there again.
14: And a 2-0 victory over Senegal today is a good start. And I spoke to the pub owners today. They say they welcome the new liquor hours at 7 a.m. instead of 9 a.m., but admit during this first round the crowds crowds aren't very big early in the morning. But they're really looking forward to Wednesday. That's when Canada takes on Belgium in an afternoon game. From Point live. I'm Austin Delaney. It's
1: going to be a big day. Thank you, Austin. And TSN and CTV are the official broadcasters of FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Team Canada gets started on Wednesday, as he said, playing Belgium at 2 p.m. Eastern. They'll face Croatia on Sunday and Morocco next Thursday.
0: If you're a parent who relies on child care in Ontario, you could be in line for some money.
1: Rebate checks are being sent out right now from centres that opted into a new system aimed at making child care more affordable. CTV's Sean Leithong has more on who is eligible and for how much.
5: Pouring over their contract, daycare operator Anoush Bennett is making sure parents are getting what they're owed.
8: November fees and December fees are reduced by 25%. And then as of January, your fees are going to be reduced by 50%.
5: Lakeshore Community Childcare in Etobicoke has signed on to the Canada-wide learning and child care system. It's the program that will lead to $10-a-day childcare, And while fees are now reduced, Bennett has also been able to send rebates to families.
4: And by uh, the end of
8: October, we were able to refund uh, 191 families. Childcare care
13: is not a luxury.
5: The feds in the province signed the deal last spring, stating fees would be reduced 25% this year and 50% next year, with the goal of costing $10 a day by 2025. Daycares had until November 1st to sign up, so any daycare participating is obligated to send a 25% refund to parents who paid in full from April until the start of the program.
6: I don't want to see money flo- uh, sitting in a bank account. I want to see it in the pockets of parents.
5: Education Minister Stephen Leche says 92% of for-profit and non-profit daycares in the province have signed on. To understand when parents should see their refund, after the November 1st deadline, municipalities have 10 days to approve an application. Then the daycare has 30 days to sign the contract and get their money. Then they're mandated 20 days to give a refund.
6: Parents now have a guarantee, a service standard of 20 days. The dollar's got to flow so we can move the money into the pockets of of families, especially ahead of Christmas.
5: Leche says that refunds should be in the pockets of parents by the end of this year and that fees should be reduced by January 1st, 2023. Sean Leithong, CTV News.
1: We turn to the latest incident of deadly gun violence in Toronto.
0: A young man, just 19 years old, shot and killed inside an Etobicoke apartment building. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us live from the scene on Humberline Drive. Beth.
15: Nathan, this shooting happened just over 24 hours ago and I can tell you, police were in the parking lot here until just a few minutes ago. Many residents tell me they're shocked. The shooting happened inside the building. They also say they're sad and angry. Another teenager in our city has been killed. Investigators worked through the day in the Rexdale high rise gathering forensic evidence connected to the shooting and talking to residents.
4: Well, I was in my house and then I heard shots. Like I heard a boom sound. So I didn't know it was. I thought maybe somebody was, you know, bang something or whatever.
15: Toronto police have identified the victim as 19-year-old Jaheem Tucker. Several residents say he lived in the building with family they also say it's been years since this kind of violence took place. It's a very, very safe building. It's my first time to see here somebody had been shooting. Yeah. So I was feeling very sorry about that. because I, Me as a mom, I was feeling very sad too. The investigation appears to focus on at least three upper floors in and around the stairwells. There are many cameras here. One resident tells CTV News they heard yelling near the stairs around the time of the shooting. 5.45 in the afternoon, Sunday. Police say first responders found Tucker in a unit and tried to save him, but he didn't survive.
4: Well, actually it's not good, you know, that's very uh, dangerous.
15: Some residents are expressing fear about the shooting, especially not knowing if police are anywhere close to catching the possible perpetrator. I'm scared, I'm feeling nervous right now. Others say they're less concerned about their personal safety, either because officers spent the day in the building or because they mind their own business.
6: Well, it doesn't concern me because I just leave it alone.
15: It's a gunshot. Yeah, but
6: <laughs> these youth
15: nowadays, um, that's what they are. Police are appealing for anyone with information to come forward. The homicide unit is investigating. Police say no arrests have been made. I'm Beth McDonnell reporting live. Nathan, back to you. All
0: right, thank you, Beth. In Ottawa, Federal Emergency Preparedness Minister Bill Blair is testifying at the inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. Blair was asked about documents suggesting the government was preparing a negative narrative about the protesters before they arrived in the capital.
6: Can you agree with me, again, that by January 27th, 2022, your, essentially all your colleagues and yourselves had agreed that there'd be a joint government response and this was how you're going to deal with it. You were going to label the protesters uh, violent to incite hate, hateful, violent rhetoric. That was the intention on January 27th, correct?
10: No, sir, I disagree. Okay. There is no agreement here. It's, it's recommendation from someone on staff.
0: Earlier in the day, the head of CSIS testified his organization determined last winter's convoy protest did not pose a threat to national security. But David Vigneault still advised the prime minister to invoke the act. CTV's Judy Trin explains.
9: On January 27th, before protesters even rolled into the capital, CSIS flagged online chatter about storming parliament. The spy agency knew the Freedom Convoy could be a magnet for ideologically motivated violent extremists. Some of these individuals held xenophobic or anti-government views.
2: And so uh, we were aware um, that some of these individuals were interested in uh, paying a lot of, uh, of close interest to the convoy and trying to understand, you know, um, what it meant, uh, saw potential opportunities.
9: CSIS says it only monitored participants who it felt were capable of killing or extreme violence. CSIS wouldn't say how many people were on its radar, but did say there were concerns about radicalization. It's not always the people making the threat that we're most concerned about. It's the people who will consume that rhetoric and be uh, triggered and mobilized to violence. Still, despite these concerns, CSIS Director David Vigneault told Cabinet on February 10th that the definition of a national security threat under the CSIS Act was not met. Three days later, at another top-level meeting, Vigneault was asked point-blank if it was necessary to invoke the National Emergencies Act. On February 13th, Vigneault advised the Prime Minister it was indeed required to invoke the Act. The next day, civil liberties were suspended. Vigneault said he based his advice to the Prime Minister on a broader interpretation of national security beyond the CSIS Act.
2: It was also based on all of the other information that, you know, I became uh, aware of during uh, all of the interdepartmental meetings and cabinet meetings I participated in. So it was, I was provided, uh, that opinion was provided, if you want, as a uh, uh, national security advisor as opposed to a, uh, the director of CSIS.
9: The Prime Minister is scheduled to testify on Friday. Justin Trudeau will be the last witness at this inquiry. It's likely he'll be asked questions about how he weighed the advice the CSIS director gave him. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa.
0: In Colorado Springs, prosecutors say formal charges have not yet been filed against the suspect in Saturday night's shooting at a gay nightclub. Five people were killed, 17 others were wounded. The attack was halted when a patron grabbed a gun from the suspect hit him with it, and pinned him until police arrived. Minutes later, 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich faces murder and hate crimes charges. Police were looking into whether anyone had helped the suspect before the attack.
1: An earthquake struck a remote area on Indonesia's main island today, killing at least 162 people. Hundreds of others were injured when the magnitude 5.6 quake hit the region in West Java province in the late afternoon. Many structures collapsed, and more than 1,300, 13,000 people whose homes were heavily damaged were taken to evacuation centers. There were at least 25 aftershocks. The earthquake also caused panic in the greater Jakarta area, where high-rises swayed.
0: It's the first time a capsule has visited the moon since the Apollo program 50 years ago. NASA's Orion spacecraft arrived today with three test dummies aboard the capsule within 130 kilometers of the lunar surface while on the far side of the moon. Orion will spend close to a week in orbit before splashing down in the Pacific Ocean December 11th. Astronauts are expected to strap into the capsule for a ride around the moon as early as 2024 and then attempt a landing the following year.
1: Coming up, actor Chris Hemsworth decides to take a break from acting after a surprising revelation about his genetic predisposition to a life-altering disease.
11: And I've had foreign coming up on Consumer Alert. If you're looking to buy a new or used car, you know prices have increased dramatically. Dramatically Now there are concerns some dealers are charging additional fees or forcing customers to pay for expensive options they don't want. I will love that story. That's just a hint.
10: A lot of focus on Buffalo, but we've had plenty of lake effect snow here at home as well. These are the amounts that fell between Thursday evening and Monday morning. Look at Wyerton. 53 centimeters of snow yesterday alone. That's a daily record for the town. Meanwhile, all eyes are on Doha for the World Cup, and it's going to be another warm day for games tomorrow. We'll talk about our seasonal stretch of temperatures coming up in your forecast, and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV.
1: Supply chain issues and a chip shortage during the pandemic caused a major backlog in auto manufacturing.
0: If you want a new car, you could be on a waiting list for as long as a year. And if you want to get one right away, you might have to pay extra to get it. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat.
11: Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. A Toronto man recently tried to buy a car and was told if he wanted one, he would have to pay extras for expensive options. When he said he didn't want paint protection, an extended warranty or key insurance, he was told he couldn't buy the car. I'm being left having to pay for these if I want a car. Ares Van Ham of Toronto says he's been trying to buy a 2023 Hyundai Elantra Hybrid for the past month. If the orders one, it could take as long as a year to receive it, but he was told there was one on the lot due to a cancelled purchase. Van Ham says his research found the car should cost around $36,000, but he was told he would have to pay $49,000. I feel it's, it's price gouging.
5: At its worst, used to be able to go into a dealership and negotiate a price
11: down, not up. Van Ham says he was told he would have to pay extra for options, including an extended warranty, paint protection, winter tires, tinted windows, key insurance and rust protection. I even had one dealer, one salesperson in a dealership actually be honest with me
5: and tell me, yeah, there's excess demand right now, so we feel we can do
11: this. Car Help Canada is a nonprofit organization that assists consumers with car purchases. The group says currently there is such a shortage of new cars that some dealers are adding on market adjustment fees or forcing buyers to purchase expensive options whether they want them or not. Unfortunately, there are quite a few dealers out there that are taking advantage of the situation and using it as an opportunity to charge consumers far more than they should be paying. Share Primax says forcing a customer to purchase extras should not be allowed. Tide selling is right on the Competition Bureau of Canada's website as an illegal practice under the Competition Act. So this is something they could certainly be looking into. Hyundai Canada told CTV News presenting misleading pricing and fees to customers is unacceptable. We will take this opportunity to reinforce our expectations with our group of independently owned dealers. Van Ham says he refuses to pay for options he doesn't want. Car Help Canada says the shortage of new cars is likely to continue for at least another year. And unless you need a car right away, you may be better off waiting until the supply of new vehicles returns to normal. Also, remember that anything verbal regarding a car deal must be written down in the contract. On your side, I'm Pat Foran.
0: If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. You know, I was outside earlier today. It was actually pretty good compared to the last few days, but the wind was a bit of a concern.
1: The wind making it feel pretty cool, but I think we're into later November now, and at this point, if you get a sunny day, that's a win. I don't know. You don't expect that much from this time of the year, and there's some good days ahead.
10: It's a good point. You know, this November has brought us plenty of sunny weather, also some snowy weather, of course, last week, and uh, there's still a little ways to go before the month is finished, so we'll see what comes next. But what we do know is that today was windy. The next couple of days are going to be Quiet and by the end of this week, you might need your umbrella once again. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We'll begin with the temperature story. It was not nearly as cold today as it was over the weekend, but I know it was still pretty chilly out there, especially once you consider those winds, which were strong, gusting to around 70 kilometres per hour here in the city of Toronto. So what you see is not necessarily what you get. It felt a little bit colder once you did factor in the winds. The winds still are gusting to about 40, 50 kilometres per hour in some areas, especially around the city of Hamilton, which remains under a special weather statement. I'm expecting these special statements to come to an end this evening as the winds begin to taper off. And once we move past midnight, calmer conditions conditions. are anticipated. It was a fairly seasonal day. The norm for this time of year is about 6. Toronto ended up being the provincial hot spot at just shy of 8 degrees. Overnight tonight we're dropping to a low of minus 5, feeling like minus 7. Once you do factor in those winds, it's going to feel into minus double digit territory in places like Peterborough, Parry Sound and look at Bancroft, feeling like minus 17 at the coldest point tonight. Tomorrow though, less of a wind chill factor. Uh, Temperature around 6 degrees in Oakville. Afternoon, high around 2 in Caledon and Innisfil, 4 degrees for you in Ajax and then in Gravenhurst a couple of flurries going to be possible. Maybe a quick passing shower in the Coburg area but most areas will remain dry with the exception of central and eastern Ontario. There's a disturbance to our north that's going to bring snow to perhaps the Muskoka area. Even tonight flurries are possible or happening right now around Lake Simcoe and into the Kawartha Lakes. As we make our way through tomorrow a little more in the way of cloud cover but again the winds will be calmer. than temperature not too bad and then into Wednesday a bit of a similar situation overall it's a bit of a quiet weather pattern for the next couple of days Uh, plenty of sun for Wednesday mix of sun and cloud for Thursday watch Thursday night a few showers could move in Friday is the day that you need to keep the umbrella handy for weekend looks not bad some sunshine into Saturday afternoon high seven degrees and then the showers look to return as we make our way into the day on Sunday. That's your look at the weather for now. A reminder that our CTV Toy Mountain campaign in support of the Salvation Army is now officially underway. We had a spectacular launch last Friday at Mel Lassman Square, and now the effort is on to make the holiday season special for thousands of children across the GTHA. Here's how you can help. Head to toymountain.ca and click Toronto. And if you have photos or videos that you would like to share, We'd love to see them. We've had some amazing donors over the years and some really creative content sent our way. So find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can tag us there too. Or you can email us at toy.mountain at bellmedia.ca. It's going to be an exciting couple of weeks. Find out where we will be broadcasting live from on our website. Come on down with a new unwrapped toy and help families in need. That's all for now. Michelle, I'll send it over to you.
1: Thank you, Lindsay. Well, our friends across the border have a big mountain of snow. A big dig out is well underway after a major snowfall.
0: Buffalo is hit with a historic blast of wintry weather, with the system hitting communities on this side of the border as well. Mm -hmm. CTV's Zerida Allman joins us now with more on the recovery.
3: Yeah, Nathan and Michelle, the cleanup continues today, with many residents still working to clear at least six feet of snow from their driveways and walkways. Officials say it is the worst storm to hit the Buffalo area since 2014 the skies have cleared and the sun is out but for buffalo and area residents the long arduous task of digging out has only just begun
8: this is my first attempt and i'm not going to be able to get my car out it's too heavy we can't even use our front door to get out an historic multi-day
3: lake effect storm dumping record amounts of snow over the weekend we actually hit six inches an hour which is why we believe we'll be making history with having the most amount of snowfall in a 24-hour period right here in the state of New York. On the other side of the border in Fort Erie, the fall storm dumped at least 30 centimeters of snow.
6: You live at the end of Lake Erie and uh, lake effect snows are something that is always um, present danger particularly when the lake is wide open which it is now and will be for a little while
3: yet. Planes are just starting to move again at the Buffalo International Airport after the storm forced widespread cancellations. You can't really do anything. At the height of the storm more than a hundred National Guard members were on the ground responding to emergencies and with the area just getting moving again residents heading out for supplies now finding empty shelves. There's nothing in the store you, you got there. you can't get a loaf of bread or anything. A driving ban in most communities has been lifted, but schools today remained closed.
0: It feels good that the snow is you know coming to an end um, and things are getting back to somewhat normal. The roads are clearing up but um, but for the most part it's been pretty rough.
3: A rough start to a winter season that hasn't even officially begun. And a state of emergency has been declared in 11 upstate New York counties, which means federal aid will be arriving to hardest hit areas. I'm Zoraida Allman. Nathan, back to you. All right.
0: Thank you, Zoraida. Also tonight, these are brand new, but these twins come from embryos frozen 30 years ago. The story behind this record-breaking adorable pair. A Hollywood actor is taking a break from making movies after learning some disturbing health news.
1: Chris Hemsworth found out he has a gene that puts him at risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. CTV's health reporter Pauline Chan has more on how he's taking the news and the science behind the discovery.
8: Australian actor Chris Hemsworth has discovered that he is at high risk of developing Alzheimer's disease on a recent episode of the show Limitless.
5: We've got every blood test one can get and you have two copies of ApoE4, a set from your mom and a set from your dad. And what does that mean exactly? That means you have an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease. How much higher? probably somewhere between eight and ten times higher than that of someone in the general
11: population.
8: If you have one of your ApoE's, an ApoE4, you are at threefold higher risk of later-life Alzheimer's, not immediately, later in life. Toronto Alzheimer's specialist Dr. Sharon Cohen says there are blood and saliva tests to detect which type of ApoE you have. People can go to um, direct-to-consumer genetic test companies like 23andMe and order a kit and have a whole panel of genetic tests. Many experts advise against getting such genetic tests because having the gene doesn't mean you'll definitely get Alzheimer's and worrying too much about it can also be harmful. But Cohen sees this information as a source of control, especially for someone like Hemsworth. He is young. He is healthy. He's not at all diminished from who he is today by the ApoE4 genetic information. And the fact that he's gone public with it with the hope of maybe inspiring others to look after themselves well and probably inspiring himself, that's really valuable. And in fact, Hemsworth says he's doing just that, embarking on a multi-day trek and challenging his mind to memorize landmarks along the way. Pauline Chan, CTV News.
1: They are now record holders. Two siblings near Portland, Oregon were born from embryos frozen nearly 30 years ago. Lydia and Timothy Ridgway's parents welcomed them into the world October 31st. The embryos were created for an anonymous married couple and were frozen in 1992. They were kept at a fertility lab until being donated in the hopes another couple might be able to use them. The previous longest frozen embryo resulting in birth was about 27 years old.
0: Taylor Swift took home top honors at the American Music Awards.
7: The more music I put out, the happier I was. Um, The more I just kept that channel open and just kept creating, kept making things. And the more that happened, the more you guys were like, yay, keep doing it.
0: Swift was named Artist of the Year at the world's largest fan-voted ceremony. Dove Cameron, a former Disney Channel star who reached the Billboard charts with the pop single Boyfriend, earned the first trophy of the night for Best New Artist. Machine Gun Kelly, wearing a purple suit with long silver spikes, was named favorite rock artist.
1: Elton John has rocketed himself closer to retirement, playing his final North American show in Los Angeles last night. The legend performed in front of a packed crowd at Dodger Stadium 47 years after stepping on the same stage in a bedazzled Dodgers uniform as the world's biggest pop star. The singer-songwriter has been performing a long farewell tour for the last several years, and in 2023, he will head to Australia, New Zealand, and Europe to end his live career. The 75-year-old says he's ready to retire and spend time with his family.
0: Here in Toronto, a new musical production at the Harbourfront Centre this week is giving audiences a unique look at the life of a British activist and veteran of two major wars. CTV's Andrea Case has the details.
5: If your song is freedom, then you
2: sing it everywhere.
4: Englishman Johnny Longstaff was an activist and veteran of both the Spanish Civil War and World War II. And when the folk group, the Youngins, heard Longstaff's story, they created new songs, paired it with his recorded voice for a podcast, but instead it became a stage musical. When
12: Johnny explained when he was 15 years old and he walked, 240 miles from the north of England to London on a hunger march, petitioning the government for jobs. The men and the women on the march made up songs to popular tunes like John Brown's Body, and so that's what we do in the show. We take Johnny's words and we put it to that tune.
4: The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff is now on stage starring the folk group The Young'uns. His memories live on because the imperial war museum recorded them.
14: And the world was saying we didn't know of these things. Of course they knew of these things.
4: Blind musician David Eagle is a member of the trio. The YOUNGUNS got their name twenty years ago after encountering a sing-along in a pub when they were drinking under age and people just took it in turns to go around
14: and sing songs and there were no microphones most of the songs were unaccompanied people were just spontaneously adding harmonies they were singing about things that we didn't know you could sing about you know they were singing about industry and about our local area and heritage
4: Sam Carter replaced the band member who was unable to make the trip to Canada
14: it's great yeah Um, I I love to kind of uh, you know collaborate with other musicians and uh, getting that sweet spot where you get in sync vocally with with an, with another group of singers is, is a special thing if
5: there's peace beneath the branches of the lime and olive tree
4: Andrea Case CTV News
0: Stars tonight is brought to you by Last Man's Bad Boy Who's better nobody
1: After the break, bestowed with the province's highest honor, recognized as exceptional leaders, the new appointees to the Order of Ontario.
3: One of my um, uh, priorities is how can we improve more information sharing between various uh, key stakeholders in the sector.
0: Updating our top stories, is working to avoid airport backlogs as the holiday travel season ramps up. The federal transport minister was on hand as Pearson Airport reopened its second busiest runway after an eight-month reno project.
6: And frankly, all families and taxpayers benefit by having stability for children. So I think it is a win-win-win.
1: Ontario's Education Minister touts a tentative agreement reached with CUPE over the weekend. He says it will provide the union's lowest paid education workers with a pay increase of about 4.2% annually. The deal still has to be ratified by CUPE members.
12: As soon as that game, crazy game ended, I was like, let's go get number two. You know, let's go get number two. And, and, and that's where my focus is right
7: now.
0: The Argo's a touchdown in Toronto following their Grey Cup victory over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last night. The team will be holding a rally with fans in Maple Leaf Square on Thursday to celebrate the win.
1: Remember to follow us on social media and keep up to date day and night through our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca.
0: In business news, Disney's former CEO is getting his own sequel. After two years away, he's returning to the top job. With more, here's Jacqueline Hansen from B&M Bloomberg.
16: In a plot twist at Disney, the person swooping in to help the company is the man who led it for 15 years. Bob Iger was Disney's CEO until 2020, at which point Bob Chapek took over. Now Iger is taking the reins back. Disney hasn't been the most magical company on Earth lately. The entertainment giant has been pouring money into its streaming services as cost to operate it and create content ballooned. It's increasing prices for streaming to help make up for it, but the outgoing CEO said it wouldn't be profitable until 2024. At its theme parks, Chapek also raised the price for admission and added extra fees to bypass long lines. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading lower by about a third of a cent to roughly 74 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil ended the day just a hair lower to a little under $80 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select declined about 50 cents to $52.74 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX ended the day down, just attached to 19,977.13. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of B&M Bloomberg.
1: 24 new members were formally invested into the Order of Ontario today.
7: Tonight's ceremony brings together a group of remarkable leaders who demonstrate the wide range of endeavors and achievements in our province.
1: Lieutenant Governor Elizabeth Dodswell welcomed the new appointees, which included Peel Police Chief Nishan Diriepa and former boxer George Chevalo. The Order of Ontario is the province's highest civilian honor. It's presented to honor individuals for excellence in their field or those who left a lasting legacy on the province.
14: Tonight,
9: political gamesmanship at the World Cup. Uh-oh. Iran faces England on the soccer pitch against the backdrop of anti-regime protests in Tehran. That's later on CTV National News from Qatar.
1: A decades-old Thanksgiving tradition was carried out at the White House today. U.S. President Joe Biden spared two turkeys from the dinner table. The gobblers from North Carolina are named Chocolate and Chip. The fortunate fowl will now live out the rest of their lives at a university in their home state. With a chill in the air, Biden said he did not want to have a long event because nobody likes when their turkey gets cold
0: or when the weather gets too cold, yes. for me at least. What are mm-hmm. we expecting tonight?
10: Yeah, not everyone likes when the weather gets cold either, but here we are, and it will be a bit of a chilly night tonight. Let's begin first, though, with a quick look at the satellite and radar. I mentioned a couple of flurries and rain showers impacting areas around Lake Simcoe and the Barrie area, so there it is on the satellite and radar. Tonight, we're forecasting a low of minus 5 degrees here in the city of Toronto, waking up tomorrow morning at the coldest point. The wind chill will make it feel more like minus 7, but fortunately, the winds aren't Quite as much of a factor tomorrow as they were today through the seven-day forecast i don't exactly want to call this a warm seven-day forecast but compared to the weekend and at times last week it is looking not too bad nathan and michelle thank you
1: so much Lindsay. and be sure to join omar sachedina tonight at 11 for ctv national news followed by zoraida allman with our next local newscast at 11 30.
0: in the meantime our coverage continues anytime on cp24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca.
1: Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.
0: Good night.